Hello and welcome to the Thinking Poker Podcast from Owings Mills, Maryland. I'm Andrew Brokus. We took the week off for Thanksgiving from recording a regular season episode, uh, but we're bringing you something new and exciting instead. It's called Thinking Poker Daily, and it is going to be a daily dose of poker strategy from the Thinking Poker team. Every episode will be 10 to 15 minutes long, and we'll feature two of uh, myself, Nate Mavis, and Carlos Welch talking about a hand strategy concept, maybe even a one specific decision point within a hand. Uh, so it's just going to be daily poker strategy from us. This is going to be available today. You're getting a free preview on the uh, on the regular feed of our first episode of Thinking Poker Daily. Uh, this is going to be for supporters of the podcast, for people who choose to support us. We have a Patreon now, uh, patreon.com slash thinkingpokerdaily. And uh, you can choose to support us at a couple of different levels each month. And if you do, you'll get access to the Thinking Poker Daily podcast, which has these exclusive strategy conversations from myself, Carlos, and Nate. Uh, these will be coming out five days a week uh, on, on the weekdays. And um, yeah, it's, it's going to be all strategy. Uh, I know that that's what a lot of people are coming to the podcast for. Um, and we want to give you more of it. <laughs> We've got a lot of questions that people have sent us over the years. We've got a lot of uh, concepts of our own that we want to talk about, and we think this is going to be a great format for it, and we look forward to sharing it for you. Um, and we appreciate your support. <laughs> you know, this is uh, a passion project for us, but it is one that um, we don't want to lose money on. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we have different options or I mean, we've, we've considered different options on how to finance the show. And uh, we think this is this is one that will make a lot of sense for people. So if you want to support the podcast, if you want to get access to uh, this exclusive strategy information, you can sign up at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash thinking poker daily. You can choose the level at which you would like to support us and get access to all of these strategy conversations. Please enjoy the premiere episode of Thinking Poker Daily, recorded by myself and Carlos Welch. By the way, uh, <laughs> seeing as how this is coming out on Cyber Monday, I suppose I should also tell you uh, that we've got a big sale going on at the Knitcast store right now. So www.knitcast.com, N-I-T-C-A-S-T.com. This is another great way to support the podcast and get some uh, top quality strategy material while you're at it. Everything in that store is 25% off. That means the Weekend Warrior podcasts, both the Cash Game and Tournament Editions, are 25% off. The ebooks for Play Optimal Poker, Play Optimal Poker 2, uh, Thinking Poker Diaries, Thinking Tournament Poker, uh, Nate's book, Reviewing Hands from the World Series of Poker Main Event. The uh, series that Carlos and I did on Single Table Satellites, the new Exploiting live, uh, sorry, <laughs> exploiting small stakes tournaments uh, video that I did with Carlos Welsh. All of this on sale, 25% off this week only at www.nitcast.com. So support the podcast however you can. Most importantly, enjoy the podcast. We are grateful to all of you for listening and we look forward to continuing to bring you more great thinking poker content. 
And welcome to Thinking Poker Daily. This question comes to us from Andrew, but it could be coming from me because this is something that I've wondered about as well, and I'm curious to get your take, Carlos. Andrew asks, I have a question about bubble play. Specifically, I guess, is how close to the bubble should I start bubble play? It seems like fairly off it seems like fairly often I find myself with a slightly below average chip stack getting somewhere near the bubble and I tighten up, not necessarily folding my way into the money, but playing very tight. In the meantime, the blinds go up, the average stack goes up, my stack goes down, and I make it into the money pretty short and bust shortly thereafter for a min cash or slightly better. I do see the value in min caches, and I don't play this way when I'm a big stack. I think what I'm doing is appropriate on the bubble, but I'm wondering if I'm shifting into bubble mode too soon. I imagine there is not a strict cutoff of when it's appropriate, but any guidance would be appreciated. So when do we start thinking about bubble play? I'm so happy this question came up, because this question was the birth of the Carlos strategy that I now play. And you've heard me mention this story before, um, on the podcast, um, or just, you know, wherever you've heard my voice, you've probably heard me mention, uh, going deep in the main event to, I mean, playing the main event in 2017, run into the same issue that our correspondent Andrew runs into being fairly short as the bubble approaches and basically either bubbling or min cashing because I was so tight going into that point. And after busting the main event at the end of day two, which uh, wasn't exactly on the bubble, but the bubble was coming up, you know, midway through day three, um, I busted that night, went over to the Flamingo and just late reg whatever other tournament I could find. It was like a $70 buy-in that started at 7 p.m. And I um, basically, once I got to around the stack that he's mentioning, kind of played like a maniac in order to, like, keep myself from being short as the bubble approach and it worked so basically what i've come to realize is that you're right when you have this hunch that that you are uh how did you put it like you were tightening up yeah going into bubble mode too early and tighten up too early so what i've found is most of us get desperate when we're under 20 bigs we feel like okay we got to make a move at this point and that's a good idea if you want to stay at 20 bigs. <laughs> but if you, like, whatever your point of desperation is, that's where you're basically going to maintain your stack. So I just push that up. I'll start playing as if I'm desperate around, say, 30 to 40 bigs. That's the stack size where I used to be too comfortable, and I would complain about being card dead because I was sticking to GTO ranges in tournaments that didn't require that because my opponents were too weak. So the thing that I did is I expanded my opening ranges in spots where I didn't expect free bet or flat it in position often. So that's going to be anytime you have passive players on your left um, who have stack sizes around your, you know, 20 to 30 bigs or less. And you're going to get um, caught in position in three bet less often in those spots, in which case you can get a heads up against the big blind. And the big blind has such a wide, weak range that on a lot of runouts, you can barrel him off of whatever he's defending. And if you get this guy to fold, your hand doesn't matter. And a lot of these spots, 
I'm setting up triple barrels. So if I jam river and he has me cover and I don't get him to fold, my hand doesn't matter because I'm out of tournament either way. <laughs> so so either he folds and you just, you know, pretend you had aces or he calls and you muck and leave the casino before anybody turns your hand over <laughs> or, if play, or if you're playing online. So, yeah, that's how you can keep your how you can keep your stack afloat around the 30 ish big blind level. And then if you do happen to get a double from that point, you double from 30 to 60, which in a lot of tournaments is a big stack on the bubble as opposed to the way I used to play. I would do this at around 15 to 20 bigs when it was a little bit more natural to, you know, get my stack in. And if that worked out, I would double from like 15 to 30 and then the blinds would go up and I would be right back at 25, 20. And I I was never the big stack on the bubble like you mentioned. So yeah, you need to uh, increase slightly the stack size that you're willing to play a little bit more kamikaze with. Because if you do that, and you do get that double, you wind up on the bubble as the big stack, like you like you mentioned. And if you understand, you know how to apply ICM pressure on on your opponents who play the way you're the way you're currently playing, then they'll be the ones folding into the money with the small stack, and you'll come out of the bubble with an even bigger stack. So that's been my approach. Yeah, I liked all that. I, I I would add to that. I don't I don't think you want to think of bubble mode as, and I, I don't know that Andrew is necessarily doing this, but you know, it, it's not like uh, an all or nothing kind of thing where it's like, okay, well now I'm not in bubble mode and I'm playing like 100 percent as though I'm in a cash game, and okay, now I am in bubble mode and so I'm folding everything except aces. Right? I mean, it's it's a spectrum, and the closer you get to the bubble, the more you want to prioritize making it into the money. Uh, I mean, the yes. the kind of basic math behind this is like if there are 100 people who are going to get paid and there are 101 players remaining right you have a better than 99 percent you know if you have an average stack you have a better than 99 percent chance of making a min cash and so you know doubling your stack at the risk of not getting that min cash is quite expensive like doubling your stack is probably not worth giving up a nine percent chance of cashing and you know the the more we expand that number now if there's 110 players left and you have an average stack well now you have about a 90 percent chance of making the money and so you know now you're not giving up quite as much if you get eliminated if there's 150 players remaining and you have an average stack you have like a 67 percent chance of making the money uh, and so you know the the um the further away from the bubble you get the less incentive you have to to try to survive because your survival is simply worth less um and you know the same is going to go for your opponents. So whether or not you're in your your short stack, right? When you're the big stack, you can be applying more pressure to people the closer you are to the the bubble. I mean, functionally, I'm probably only even starting to think about it when it's something like you know two thirds of the remaining field is going to cash. Like that's probably around the time that it, it is you know entering my conscious thought at all <laughs> in terms of how right. I'm playing and my changes at that point are not real dramatic you know I'm maybe expecting I'm gonna have to fold a little bit more often to three bet so maybe I'm opening a little bit tighter or expecting my opponents to be opening a little bit tighter if they have uh, average stacks um, it, it's really you know I, I would say like to the extent that I were going to give a, a, a you know very short answer to this question I would say maybe at the point where it's like 80 to 90 percent of the field is going to cash if i have a you know a sort of medium stack where i i can i'm pretty likely to cash if i don't (laughs) if i don't get my whole stack in the middle um but i'm not like there are a lot of several stacks at the table that can threaten me that's probably around the point where um, i start tightening up most dramatically 
Yes. And that that initial point that you mentioned with like say two thirds of the remaining players getting paid, that's about the time where I'm desperate. I'm desperate to make a move now so that by the time I get to the bubble, I'll have a big stack. Because if I don't and I get that as a short stack, then like Andrew says, you're kind of like you have to fold in now because mathematically, if you're like a 99, 90 to 99% chance of getting in, it's not worth it to take on the risk. So take on the risk earlier before you get to this point. Yeah, you know, it's, it's such a common thing in tournaments to hear people say, like, I didn't want to risk it this early in the tournament. Like, early in the tournament is the best time to risk it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's much worse to risk it on the bubble or to risk it, you know, final table. Uh, you, you want to risk it early, especially if it's a re-entry event. Um, you know, yeah, yes. risk it early. You have, you have no interest in survival, or, you know, maybe if you have a great table, you have a little bit of interest in survival. But, uh, you know, in, in a re-entry event or early in a tournament is, is when your survival is worth the least. Exactly. Thank you for writing, Andrew, and thank you, everyone listening, for supporting the Thinking Poker Podcast.